Welcome to Engaging Culture, a podcast presented by Bridgeway Christian Church. My name is Pastor Brian Kiley. Today, Pastor Lance Hahn and I are joined by Pastor Matt Bach for a conversation about marijuana and other intoxicants and stimulants. Laws criminalizing recreational use of marijuana have begun to come off the books around the country. And as of January 2018, recreational marijuana use will be permissible in the state of California. Does that mean it's okay for Christians to partake? To what extent is it, is, is it acceptable for Christians to partake in other drugs like alcohol and caffeine? What are some principles we can keep in mind to guide our interaction with these substances? These questions and more on this episode of Engaging Culture. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 14 of the Engaging Culture Podcast. Glad that you are with us. I'm Brian Kiley, and I'm joined, as always, by Pastor Lance Hahn. Lance, what's happening? I'm doing really good. I'm actually looking forward to getting into this conversation. I think this is going to be exciting. As am I, and we have our first repeat guest. I mean, at what point do you become a co-host? How many times do you have to come on? Pastor Uh, Matt Bach. It's got to be a biblical number, so it's got to be 3, 7, or 40. All right. (laughs) Or 144,000. All right. Well, That is on how many episodes we get to. Okay. Well, uh, there we go. Well, regardless of the number, we are... We are on our way. Uh, I am also looking forward to this conversation. I just want to know, uh, the jokes were kind of flying fast right before we came on the air. Have we got all of our jokes out of our system, or might there be a few more? I just want our listeners to know what to expect. Uh, they are never fully out of my system, <laughs> but I will filter. All right. So uh, today we're going to talk about controlled substances, and what makes this a pertinent issue is that on January 1st, 2018, Proposition 64 goes into effect in the state of California. Prop 64 passed by voters uh, in November of 2016. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I believe it passed 56 to 44. And it makes recreational use of marijuana by individuals 21 21 years of age and older legal. Now, we're going to get into the details of that in a moment. But before we do, a lot of times on the show, if we're going to talk about a specific issue, I think it's helpful for us to each sort of share our personal experience with the issue, just so our listeners know where uh, where we're coming from. So we're talking about marijuana. We're going to get into uh, alcohol. We may talk a little bit about caffeine if we have uh, if we have the opportunity to do so. But uh, what I want to do is just have all three of us, Lance, we'll start with you. Can you just give our audience a sense of your experience with any sort of smoking, with alcohol, with caffeine, as well as the role, if any, they play in your life today? Yeah. So uh, for whatever reason, and I, and I don't know if it was the Lord's protection, I, don't, I would guess not only is that the case, but it was not around a lot in my home. So so I grew up uh, pretty distant from smoking and drinking and drugs. That was not a part of my my normal existence. Um, what I think is fascinating, and, and I think we all may want to keep in mind, is that I'm on uh, prescription medication mm-hmm. every day. So like when we start getting into more and more conversations about altered states and things like that, just remember, since the age of, what, 23, 24, uh, I, I've taken a significant amount of medication every day of my life for panic disorder. Mm-hmm. So once again, you start getting into the prescription issues. So uh, I don't have a lot. Um, as a matter of fact, I, I've never smoked a cigarette in my life. I've never done marijuana. I don't have any drug use background. Um, but um, I have been surrounded by it in friends and things like that uh, the majority of my life. As in doing ministry, I'm talking about it constantly. So I feel like it's it's a big piece of my life, even though I haven't personally engaged with it. 
All right. There we go. Matt, how about you? Yeah, similar for me. I haven't had direct exposure. I've never smoked cigarettes. Um, I've never partaken in smoking weed. I've been around a lot of people that uh, have been smoking. I, I remember in college especially, um, there was a season between 18 and 20 where I was around some people at work that they would be pretty actively, and they offered, and I just never, I felt sick to my stomach just even wanting to try. So um, as well as working with teens, I've uh, I've had to collect it and, uh, <laughs> and you know, caught people, caught people with it before. But, um, but yeah, not direct um, smoking or access. When it comes to caffeine, um, I guess you could say I may be a dealer. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know. Like, Very uh, experienced You know, user. we used to sell sodas in the, <laughs> in the vending machine. I would yeah. take people out to coffee on a regular basis. So, you know that's um, that's part of uh, part of that access and exposure. But. Well, it, it, and it is interesting. Just going back real quick before we have you, Pastor Brian, share a little bit is we have to remember alcohol is also in the conversation. Correct. And I, I forgot to address that because although I don't have a lot of heavy use of alcohol for you know in in my life, it's not like I haven't haven't engaged with alcohol. So mm-hmm. I, that's another piece of my life. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Good. and and I would say the same for me. I, I used to occasionally have a glass of wine, but but even nowadays, I I really don't partake anymore for a lot of different reasons that will probably come up in sure. what we're talking about today. What All about right. you, Pastor? There we Brian. go. Yeah, I um, smoking's never re- really been a bit big part of my life. There was a period of maybe five years or so in my early twenties where I allowed myself one cigar a year. Um, Whoa, heavy user. Yeah, I don't even remember the first time I had one, but I remember thinking, okay, like one a year feels like that's feels like that's okay. But even then, I sort of lost interest in it. I have a history of asthma and just things like that. So anything that sort of creates breathing difficulty, just not. You're an inhaler boy. Yeah, used to be. Not anymore, thankfully. That's cute. uh, My roommate in college was um, like a pipe expert, not like a a weed (laughs) pipe, but like yeah, like the CS tobacco pipe. Yeah. So, and he was, uh, yes, I've smoked two cigars in my life. There you go. So, uh, yeah, so I couldn't, I think, I think the night before my brother graduated college, which would have been about 10 years ago, was maybe the last time I had one. And it's just not a, not a big desire. I, um, I grew up thinking that alcohol was just the devil, which is funny because my parents could not have been more mellow about it. They just, if they, they always said, if you want to drink, that's fine. Just don't ever drive. Give us a call and we'll come pick you up or whatever. And I just, I mean, I became a Christian early in high school and all that. And I just, I don't know, for whatever reason, just thought it was the absolute worst thing ever. So I didn't have, I didn't even have my first drink until almost my 22nd birthday. I didn't even drink on my 21st birthday, but, um, I have mellowed out on that perspective over the years. <laughs> and, and while, uh, I, I have never been drunk, I have no desire to be drunk. Um, more often than not, I have a glass of wine or a beer in the evening and I enjoy, uh, craft beer. If anything, I judge people who drink terrible beer. So <laughs> that is the thing it's where I draw Miller the line. Or Coors Light. But, um, yes. but, but now that, that being said, uh, I do think it is, and, and maybe we'll get into this later, uh, certainly as a pastor and even as a Christian, that is, I mean, I'm very thoughtful about my yes. alcohol consumption, both I want to be always super sensitive to who's around me, what is this communicating to them, is this offensive to anybody, and obviously if any of that is the case, then then uh, you know, then I'm not going not gonna to partake. But uh, that's pretty regular for me. And then caffeine, I don't know that I'm a dealer like Matt, but I'm certainly a, a heavy... Uh, a heavy user, uh, multiple cups of coffee a day guy. I don't really like that about myself, but 
I don't like being tired either. So yeah, uh, let am. me let me add two things. Um, one is an interesting view that I've always had about alcohol. One is my mom is very anti-alcohol use, and my dad drank when I grew up. My parents were, were divorced. Mm-hmm. I've never seen my dad lit. I've never seen him buzzed. I've never seen him drunk. Nothing. Mm-hmm. But he he would have a beer or whatever watching the game, or he'd have one when we we're out on the boat. I've only ever seen moderate use, mm-hmm. so I had no fear of it because mm-hmm. uh, it was always demonstrated, you know, normal around me. And then the funny thing about caffeine with me is because I have panic disorder, um, I have to be very careful on stimulants. Right. And that will come up into our conversation a little bit later, but for me, I largely drink decaf. So I had decaf coffee. I don't drink a lot of, of caffeine, so I will be in judgment of both of you. <laughs> Yeah. There you go. And I apologize in advance for <laughs> being the exact opposite of you. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for balancing the world. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> okay. Well, now before we get into specific substances and, and uh, uh, specifically marijuana, there are I think there is a larger issue in play here that, that we need to address because there are there are a variety of ways that a human being can numb out. There are a variety of ways that we can alter our mental state. And these different means we have of, of, of accomplishing either of those things, some are, are looked down upon societally and some are more accepted. But um, the fact of the matter is there are, there are drugs, there's alcohol, there's food, there's excessive television, there's excessive gaming, shopping, laziness, kind of engagement with inflammatory ideas. All of these things cause us to either disengage from the world uh, or can alter our mental state in unhealthy ways, or in some cases both, depending on what you're watching on Netflix, I suppose. <laughs> so here's my question. At what point does indulgence in any of these areas become problematic? And are there perhaps bigger principles that we need to bring into a discussion of marijuana or specific substances? Either of you, go. Yeah. Pastor Matt, why don't you take this first? Yeah, I think for a lot of people they're they're thinking about this on multiple levels. A lot of people are wanting to kind of have an answer of, okay, now that it's not a legal issue, is this sin? Right? Yeah. And that's and that's what you're bringing up with that question of these different ways of numbing out, which things actually leave a behavioral or a or a neural effect on people, right? Cuz I mean, whereas binge watching something does leave a behavioral effect and physical effect on a person, that's much different than what uh, marijuana can leave or even what other substances like alcohol can leave. They're, they all function differently, and we're not neuroscientists here, so we can't go into the details about that. But we know that there's a considerable difference. And so we're trying to figure out how do you approach this with a Christian mindset? How do you approach this with a Christian worldview? How do you approach this within these these pieces? Because um, because we all understand that these these decisions, these, these choices, these – these substances that we encounter, they're, they're not made, none of these things come in a, in a vacuum. They, none of them come in an isolation. They come in the midst of our culture. They come in the midst of our history. They come in a community of persons and with a story that we look back to scripture. We look into the church over the ages. We look at our context now and we're trying to figure out how to approach that. And so, um, you know, I, I think one of the big questions that I always come up with when I'm first in, encountering this is the issue of who is who are. I guess I'm trying to figure out the word is who or what is the source of what shapes 
how we approach things that are good or bad in our life. Is it our culture or is it going to be the Lord? Right. And so what's hard is that even when you start looking online at all the different arguments, so you read an article, you do the YouTube, uh, the, you do the YouTube. Um, that sounds <laughs> yes. like an old man. I was just going to say, wow. You do the YouTube. <laughs> um, when you're, when you're having all this, it, it's this piece of going, okay, what am I going to let shape? Is it the culture's approach to these things or is it principles that we can draw from scripture? And so I think that's what we're trying to tackle, right? That's what we're kind of trying to dive into. I'm going to look over at Lance here and let him kind of <laughs> sure. add, add and expand on that a little bit more. Well, I, I okay, so just touching on a couple of those different pieces, because I think originally we were talking about numbing out, and we'll, we'll get back to that, but there are non-Christian concerns and there are Christian concerns about mm-hmm. the issues that we're talking about. Yeah. It's not like, oh, only the church has a concern. I mean, you can walk into any parent's house and they're, you know, and they're concerned about their teens and everything, and they have some valid reasons to be concerned. I think that we as Christians have a different add-on that we put that, that the rest of the world doesn't have to wrestle with, which mm-hmm. is, why are we here? And I think Purpose. that we'll ultimately yeah. come full circle, I think maybe on this podcast, to talk about um, what is the deepest issue. The deepest issue, well, so I'll just kick it off, is the idea of why are we here, and that is relationship with God and glorification of God. Mm-hmm. It's the whole purpose of why we exist. So that leads us into this idea about numbing out, right? Because the idea of numbing out is saying, Lord, I'm off duty. Yeah. Lord, it's now me time. And and I think that this is where it becomes personal to everybody. I think that there's a number of listeners uh, and those who observe the live, you know, uh, the stuff on video uh, that are probably going, man, this is a fascinating topic. It's not really a part of my life. Uh, I would like to make it part of your life right now because, uh, wow, the whole idea, whether you're on the couch uh, completely blitzed out of your mind on alcohol, whether you're on the couch uh, smoking a bowl of weed and you're completely out, or whether or not you're in a binge watch of Netflix for 11 hours, or whether you're on your Facebook scrolling all the time, or you are constantly listening to political TV or the news, you're still telling the Lord, I'm out. I'm not on. So, and and this is where I always try to, you know, I'm that agitating pot stirrer that tries to settle <laughs> things down later, agitating peacemaker. But here's the deal. Is it really that big of a deal for somebody to be intoxicated or somebody to be under stimulant use if they weren't serving the Lord in the first place? I mean, we keep saying, oh, it's so bad and this and that. But if we're not even walking with Jesus and being available to him, if we're not keeping in step with the Spirit, if we're not living our lives for the Lord and saying, God, what do you want to do next? Does it even matter? Uh, not serving God in one way and not serving God in another way, does it even matter? So, I mean, that just bring it into a deeper context. So, Pastor yeah, Brian? Absolutely. No, that's great. And I think the 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 reverse is true as well. That And and I, that point is so powerful, and I, and I hope people got that. that. At the end of the day, disengagement is problematic. However, we go about experiencing that disengagement. Yep. Now, we can nuance, okay, what is more or less bad? And I, and I don't think all measures of disengagement are equal. So, for example, I, I do think there's something fundamentally different about being on your couch uh, drunk versus being on your couch just sitting there. Like, both are bad. I think being drunk is worse. Now, that being said, I think to your point, Lance, uh, disengagement is a problem, and it's keeping us from being active for the Lord, being helpful in, in building his kingdom and, and fulfill and, and frankly experiencing the fulfillment that, that God has for us and desires for us in the same way. If we step back and say, I know what my life is about, 
My life is about serving Jesus. My life is about loving people. My life has purpose and my life, I'm living it intentionally because I'm on mission, because God has gifted me to be part of his kingdom, because he's given me these skills and talents and all these other things. And because I'm living for something greater, the need and the desire to numb out is necessarily, I would suggest, going to go away, right? That that we numb out in part because I think we fail to take hold of God's ultimate purpose for our lives. So in a sense, if we can get that part nailed down, the desire to numb out, the desire to be intoxicated, the desire to disengage is going to go away. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of reasons why, especially with marijuana, but with all these things we're talking about, why people pursue them. They're first, their mood enhancing or their pleasure enhancing type mm-hmm. of things, right? And and the, you have to look at the reasons why people are trying to do that. What's the dopamine hit that they're trying to get from within those? And some of them, um, and I think especially with the things we're talking about specifically today, um, the, the, the first piece is that they're faulty coping mechanisms, right? That yeah. some people are having levels of anxiety and stress, and if they're not taking something prescribed that's that's regulated or giving them direction and guidance, they're going to try to find other things that can do that. And some people aren't even aware of the level of the anxiety and stress in their lives. And so they look for a false escape, whether it's scrolling, whether it's sitting and engaging and over-engaging. Um, they're, they're trying to anesthetize themselves. Secondly, a lot of people do expose themselves to these things because they are trendy, right? They're things that everybody is doing. And so when everybody's doing it, it can't be that bad, right? And so you take the approval and all that. And then there's a third piece that I didn't think about until recently when I was looking at all this, which is entitlement and preference, Mm -hmm. that we live in such a culture of these types of things that we just go, I I deserve the, I have the right that, I mean, I need to, I work hard. I do a lot, right? So I have the right to do A, B, C, D, E. Um, and it's funny that all these things we're talking about all come back to luxuries. They're really luxuries that we all have. The fact of having a phone, the fact of being able to sit and watch TV, most likely on a comfortable couch, have access to any of these types of substances, they all have to do with having more money, right? Now, often we can look at when people are in these states, they'll run to these same things, mm-hmm. right? Um, because they're desperate because the numbing has to be almost stronger because of what they're going through. Yeah. But it's just interesting that when you look across the centuries that these these pieces always are coming up. I don't know what you guys think about those, those yeah, things. I, I, I think that um, – and I, my man, my notes are all over the place. I don't even know where <laughs> we're at anymore. But um, That was on page 18. Yeah, right. Um, but – so I think underneath all of this, there is a certain craving. There's a reason why you numb out. There's one thing to do something for entertainment. Like a lot of times you get bored and you just want to be entertained or whatever. Sure. But there are people that are poor that are huffing paint to disappear. Mm-hmm. What? Like it is so damaging like I mean, they're just wrecking their bodies. They're you know you talk about these. Remember if it, the bath salts thing, the thing that was going on. I mean, yeah. that would turn people into cannibalistic and b- bizarre. We are doing extraordinarily damaging things to get into an altered state. What are we running from? Yeah, and it's this lack of healthiness in our normal lives, and it's the pain. And I think our pain level is going up because our pain threshold is going down because we are in such a connected world. We're seeing all the great things everyone else has that we don't. I think that our disappointment is skyrocketing. And so we're saying, I'm so 
anxious and depressed and bummed out about my life stage, how do I go somewhere else? How do I feel better? And in doing so, it just constantly stirs up this craving and craving and craving to get away. And we'll do almost anything to our bodies yeah. to get away. Yeah. No, that's absolutely true. And that is in in many ways the the issue behind all of this is this sense of dissatisfaction with at the same time I mean, I don't even know. What did you do to numb out 200 years ago? I'm not saying that it didn't. I'm not saying it didn't happen. <laughs> Obviously, it did. But our ability to disengage is just like our ability to be connected to other people, sometimes in some unhealthy ways. Our ability to disengage it's so much easier than it ever did. Any one of us sitting at our desk working. I mean, we're just by virtue of being on a computer. We are surrounded by a near infinite number of potential distractions. Yeah, and I and I, and I do want to tie in uh, cuz somebody may, you know, immediately trigger back. We got to remember that uh, beer is one of the most ancient things that was kind of stirred up thousands and thousands of years ago. Mm -hmm. We've been numbing out since the beginning. <laughs> um, I have a great picture of a cuneiform tablet in Babylon that's of where to find the beer. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> It is. It's like one of my favorite pictures of like, mm, this is important to them. Oh, yeah. man. Oh, and there was, and here's the other thing. So I remember when I was over in Ephesus uh, doing a, a study tour, you would come into the harbor and they had painted footsteps. Do you remember this? They have painted footsteps to follow to the whorehouse, to the uh, brothel. Wow. Um, so every soul, every sailor would get off and they knew where to go to check out, how to numb out, how to feel better. And so we have always had this. You think about the debauchery of the Greek Empire and the debauchery of the Roman Empire. We have been completely wanting to zone out. Now, what I find is interesting in all this is God knows exactly how he built us. Yep. Yeah. And so he even, I think it's fascinating to look at the design of the Jewish people. And he designs in parties and celebrations throughout the entire year. Yeah. So that they're always having a healthy dose of fellowship, fun. And by the way, God is not anti-alcohol. We're, we're going to have to get into that at some point. Mm -hmm. But it talks about wine gladdening the heart and all this stuff, Jesus making more wine at the wedding feast, you know, all these different things. Mm -hmm. But the point was, God put in times to check out. God put in times to laugh. God yeah. put in times because he knows exactly how he made us. And if we don't, the vacuum will pull unhealthy things into it. And he said, no, 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 I never built you to be empty. Yeah. I built you to be full. Yeah. Yeah. Party, fun, entertainment, non-work can be done in a healthy fashion and indeed should be done because all work is in part what creates some of these some of these challenges. So I just think it's interesting, the examples you guys brought up, I mean, this applies to so many different subjects, but the fact of the matter is the heart issues remain the same. The heart issues remain the same. Yeah. The the way that it expresses itself. Yep. Is, is what changes. But but we need not think that we are generationally unique in the sense of the underlying issues. Now, let's get to the main event here, shall we? So uh, according to a uh, report in the Los Angeles Times, an article I read, uh, it came out a while ago, but I read it uh, earlier this week. So Proposition 64, nicknamed the Adult Use of Marijuana Act, will make it legal as of January 1st for adults to possess, transport, and buy up to 28.5 grams of marijuana for recreational use. Marijuana still cannot be smoked in public, 
and smoking in public is punishable by a small fine. Marijuana use by minors is still illegal. The commercial sale of marijuana will be heavily regulated, and even the location of that sale is regulated in terms of not being by schools and things of that nature. The sale of marijuana will also be heavily taxed, with some analysts projecting a revenue for the state of California of up to $1 billion, that's billion with a B, dollars. Now, we're going to talk about the medicinal use of marijuana later, but for now, we're going to focus on recreational usage. So my question for both of you is, in just under a month, marijuana will be legal in the state of California. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Matt. Hey, go ahead. <laughs> Pastor Matt, come on. Not all at once. Come on, because I, I mean, I got all kinds of thoughts. Go yeah. ahead. Um, I, there's a lot of concerns. I mean, that's one of the things I think we're going to hit. And then I think part of it is trying to understand a little bit of, you know, I think what people are trying to figure out is can there be responsible use, right? That's that's what all these things, when we were talking about stuff before, it goes back to that. Um, the concerns that, that I initially see as I've been studying this and looking into it is, one, the growing usage goes back to those heart issues and that hole that we're seeing. The usage has doubled in the last 10 years. Um, um, among young people, it has doubled and even in some ages tripled, right? And that's that's a concern. And I think that's one of the pieces that, especially in the world I, I worked in, you have to look down at adolescent addiction and see, okay, because it's more exposed to adults, how is it becoming more exposed to teens? And, you know, some of the, the surveys that they've done are showing that 30% of 30 to 40% of students have at least tried it, right? And so that that shows you that it's it's been easily accessible and and you know, they say twenty-five percent ish are are current users. And so so those things are are problems. Another concern I have is with all the verbiage and the language that ends up going out, um, there's still this concept and when you go on and look at YouTube and you go on and you see articles that come up on people's Facebooks or people's comments, people will constantly say that there's no evidence that it's habit forming, which is very odd that that becomes the constant piece. But it's it's because most people's sources become, well, my friend said, or this person said, or I saw this Facebook news report. <laughs> and it's not that they're necessarily running after validated research. That's part of it. But I think what also happens is when research comes out, people get that, that will show that it's habit forming or that it can become addictive, right? Like some of these other things we talked about, then people start wanting to shut it down. And, um, and so that becomes really hard because, uh, because the consequences are there and it's it's hard to kind of to to realize it and and so i mean that's why i think the conversations often will go in comparison right which i know we're going to do a little bit today the comparison to alcohol the comparison to caffeine right because what is intoxication what is addiction right these these are the questions that people i i find are either sliding the line or or trying to figure out and i think again what's hard is we have to go back to what does scripture define of those things? What does scripture look at addiction like? What does scripture look at intoxication like, right? And and then how do those principles slide into how we talk about and address these concerns? But um, but the more I read, the more I'm finding that there is a lot more of behavioral and psychological evidence of the effect of marijuana that to me is at least more increased than cigarettes and increase of alcohol. Al alcohol, when it becomes intoxication, obviously we know there's been enough study over all these millennia mm -hmm. on the effects. I always like reading like psychological reports and then reading Proverbs 
right? And it's descriptions <laughs> of someone that's drunk. And I'm like, they nailed it back then, Solomon and they're still right. nailing it now. Yeah. And uh, but the 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 behavioral pieces and the psychological pieces, those are are harder and and to study. And then the thing that's a big deal is that they can't be doing the studies as much of underage adolescence because you're not, you know, legally we can't force a 13 year old to smoke and then track the research by the time they're 23. But that's exactly what's happening is you have, most people are starting to smoke weed under the age of 21. And then the impacts are, are going into their early young adult years, into their adult years. And then those impacts they're trying to understand and unpack within the studies, but they're still seeing that to be a common trend. And then like one researcher talks about the, the reality that when families are realizing this addiction and this you know behavioral effect, they, they're finding that there's no medical or psychological support for what to do with that. And so a lot of those people are going, that's why legalization is going to create all those doors, all those issues, again, that people are going to have to go through of, hey, my 18-year-old is super addicted and it's affecting their behavior. Who do I go to get help from? So you're saying there's not there's not consensus or expertise around how do we help addiction. Is that, I mean, is that what within, you're saying? Within the medical field. Yeah. Like, so they're not, they don't have as many people that you can go through and talk through what to do when you are addicted to marijuana. You know, whereas with drunkenness, there's AA groups, there's, you know, there's been stuff that's been formed over the centuries and decades. Um, whereas with marijuana, that, that doesn't exist because so many people are going, well, it doesn't leave an effect. Right. And that's where like researchers and some, especially psychologists and sociologists are going, no, it's leaving an effect. It's just not on the, the medical realm that we think should be the parameters by which it goes. So let me know what you guys think okay. about some of that. Yeah. A lot of different stuff. Well, no, I, I think that, uh, and, and here's the simplest way I can put it. Uh, everybody wants to track it physically. Is it physically addicting? I don't care. Something, anything could be addicting because it's psychologically addicting. It's the idea of collecting or hoarding. There is no physical thing that you can get for hoarding why somebody becomes a hoarder. There's not a physical thing that's happening to them. It's a psychological attachment. Mm -hmm. That can happen on anything. Mm -hmm. when, when I want to numb out, numbing out becomes an addiction. It's just how it works. Yeah. So I, I think that we're looking at the wrong thing and measuring the wrong thing. And so when they say it's non-addictive, they mean physically. It does not have the same physical addiction properties as some other things. Yeah. Okay, they're absolutely right. I'm just saying that here's why I voted against it. Because I mean, you know, let's let's talk about mm -hmm. the the specific proposition. Mm -hmm. I actually voted no okay. on that, and I voted no because it demands more maturity. Yep. And I am not. Uh, I have not seen that our society has demonstrated great maturity. Right. And so I'm like, I, honestly, I need to take something. And this is where I'm going to start getting into a bunch of political people are going to attack me. <laughs> I, I know it. I know it. Uh, libertarians are like, oh, you're killing me, dude. Um, because um, uh, the, the idea that you'd go, OK, let's just let everybody do everything that they want and not think there's going to be a consequence. Then other people are going, no, you should give people responsibility and they can handle it. OK. All I'm seeing is there's a reason why you can't drink and drive. Uh, you just can't. I don't think anyone's going, man, you know what would be awesome is more drunk drivers. Why? It's a maturity issue. It's going, you're not mature, so I'm going to legalize against your immaturity. Well, in the same way, when we took off this restraint, 
it now says, all right, let's slide it over to the hands of 21 and older and go, I'm sure you're going to handle it well. Nope, they're not going to handle it well. <laughs> nope. And so for that reason, I said no. Now, let me, cu- let me balance this whole entire thing on the other side. Um, we, uh, we may live in different suburbs that are predominantly white. If you live in a suburb that is predominantly black, if you are around the African-American community, if you are an African-American yourself listening to this podcast, you have a very, very different view of this. Why? Because and now they don't. Not all African Americans think the same. There's so many different camps, and they're 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 conflicted, just like we are. You know, as a white community. But here's the thing: in their minds, the legalization of marijuana was something that many of them voted for, and it would really threw things off, like in the church, because all of a sudden you had a, a bunch of white community going, "What are you doing? Why would you do that?" And their purpose was it's the lesser evil. To them, the incarceration issue is so significant and damaging. The discrepancy there, the problems within the incarceration prison jail system is so bad and ripping their community apart. And a lot of it is on minor drug charges. So if they legalize it, they can get a handle on that, not having their people pulled away from them and thrown into an unfair system that they voted yes to handle one issue at a time, but it is not because they all thought that weed was a good idea. As a matter of fact, if you talk, especially Christians, if you talk to a lot of Christian folks that are African-American, they're going to go, listen, the the whole fact that I have to vote like this drives me crazy. I don't believe in any of this stuff, Mm -hmm. but we're getting so wrecked by another issue, we had to drag it into this. Yeah, and uh, and I am... uh, Obviously, I'm not African-American. I'm Caucasian. But a lot of what you just articulated, Lance, is a big part of the reason why I actually voted yes on Prop 64. And here's the and the funny thing is, is see, people who love this podcast and people who hate this podcast either love it or (laughs) hate it for the exact same reason. They love the fact that we get into real issues and we try to just take a nuanced perspective on it. A lot of people love that. And a lot of people that want us to to simplify every issue and be on the extremes hate it. And that's just kind of the way it goes. So in 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 on this particular issue, I think it's important, Lance, the point you brought up is so critical because here you've got members of the African-American community saying, do I think smoking marijuana is a net positive for society? No, absolutely not. And that is just to be unequivocal about this. That is my perspective. Do I advocate the smoking of marijuana? No. Do I think people should? No. Uh, I'm going to give you my answer to my next question already about should Christians do it? No, absolutely not. Like, let's be super clear on that. But do I think it should be criminalized to the extent that it is? Uh, also, no. I think that uh, the law enforcement issues involved, as I've sought to educate myself on the issue some, uh, the fact that you've got uh, African-Americans and other minorities getting felonies on their record for minor drug charges, to me, that's a real problem. And once those charges are on their record, I mean, their lives are ruined in a number of different ways. So uh, to me... I think we need to nuance this a little bit. I think that marijuana distribution needs to be heavily regulated. Uh, I think we need to be very careful about it. I think Mm -hmm. more research needs to be done on its effects. I think there absolutely need to be similar laws, and I just didn't do the research to to know what's currently on the books on this. There need to be laws regarding driving while under the influence of marijuana that are similar to those with alcohol. We need to be very, very, very careful in this, and I'm not in any way advocating kind of a Wild West perspective. 
But I, I think that the criminalization component of this is what makes marijuana crackdowns, illegalizing marijuana problematic for me. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, that's not to say I don't see your point. The that, fact that you <laughs> voted differently than me is why I love this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I love this kind of conversation. Sorry, Pastor Matt. Go ahead. Well, like, it's – and I'm kind of like the middleman, I guess, between, yeah. you know, because uh, I, I think I voted against it. Um, I think. Yeah. <laughs> you don't even know. Yeah. I passionately I, maybe. I passionately <laughs> was morally neutral. <laughs> and, uh, you know, because like to me, when I look at this and what we're talking about, I, I agree with both sides. Because um, one of the things that's weird, and I remember talking about this in my, my class at Jessup um, on youth culture trends and issues, is that where marijuana is placed on the, the degrees, it's number one above cocaine and methamphetamines. Sorry, Which, on the degrees. You, th- th- like yeah, they have a way mean? of they have like a scale of determining what's class one, class two, class three drugs, and this affects how they end up creating policy. And for some reason, marijuana was put on class one, and a lot of people will say, um, and I haven't done enough research on it, that it was Nixon that created that because he had his own agenda of what they wanted to do with criminalization right. and stuff like that. And some of that was racial, um, that you know, both both against African Americans and Jews, were <laughs> some of the things right. that people will bring up. Recordings, I, I don't, I don't doubt some of that, right? With how Paul well, and his was, attack on the hippie culture, exactly, that was a big deal. Yeah, and so, uh, so there's a lot of context behind all of that. But what's hard for me is I go, is legalizing though the real solution? Wouldn't it be better to go and replace the now that there's more research or or seeing the effects in comparison to cocaine in comparison to methamphetamines to go, hey, shouldn't we have looked at that deeper and altered the policy so there wasn't as much criminal impact against people, which is what they're starting to do, right? Like I was showing uh, Pastor Brian a video that Saturday Night Live made that was a parody of New York when they gave more permissions for people to, to carry 25 grams and not be arrested. But then and everyone's like out in the streets partying in this, in this video. <laughs> and then one guy gets ready to start lighting up. And the officer goes, whoa, 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 whoa. You can't smoke that out here legally, right? And then everyone walks away all depressed because they're like, although we gained one right that we're not arrested for, we still can't go and yeah. smoke out in the streets. And, you know, and I think what's to me, I go, man, and I'm not a public policy expert, but I go, that would have been more advantageous than legalizing it. Because legalizing, I feel like, creates way more dominoes that I think, you know, end up impacting people. But okay, uh, but again, so it's the I lesser of two evil paths it is, is and, what we're looking at. And right? I think they were looking for overhaul of that system and fought and fought and fought to try to get it overhauled and got happen. so rejected that they went, all right, we're going to go another route because this is ridiculous. We've been trying to reform this policy for years, ever since it's been on the book, in terms of the penal system. Yeah. And there was such frustration and such blockade. Because here, here's the other thing. So um, Pastor Matt and I have done a lot of uh, work on the war on drugs, and we've done a lot of different study. Well, we that. haven't personally done doing a lot <laughs> yeah. of, a lot of war the on drugs. But of the yes, war on academically, drugs. research-wise. Yes, research-wise. <laughs> thank you. That's a great clarification. Um, but but in, in looking at all those things, you begin to realize – uh, there's so many different nuances to it. There's so many different uh, layers to it. And the idea of what they were trying to stop, when they were trying to stop it, and how they were trying to stop it. And and you found out it has become being tough on drugs has now become for the last, I don't know, Nixon on till now yep. has been a way to get elected. 
So the idea that anyone would want to do reform and get elected for it is almost an impossibility at this point. Yeah. So they felt so blocked, they might as well go another route. Um, but one thing that I do, uh, and, and I don't mean to dominate this, but one thing that I think is so great about what we keep talking about, very important not to oversimplify this issue. Yeah. So once again, even amongst our how we voted as being different, knowing that there's a different way to look at it, knowing that there's nuances. Um, there are so many ways that we try to oversimplify stuff because we just want to hit it and move on. You can't do that. And I don't think as a Christian, it's okay to just broad stroke something and stereotype something and move on. I don't I don't think that's the way of Jesus because what you end up doing is you allow so much untruth to come into it. Yeah. And so, for example, absolute bans are not helpful. Mm-hmm. They're easier. They're just not helpful. So someone's like, well, we should have done – well, that may be not realistic. Yeah. Right? Prohibition did not work with alcohol. Right. It's not. It has not been working with marijuana. It's with, not with even legal prohibition. Yeah. That's part of the same issue. Yeah. Well, and I don't have the. I don't have a. And a don't st- try to prohibit <laughs> caffeine. Don't you? <laughs> don't dare. you? Don't you worry. I, don't, I mean, I don't have a study to uh, to point us to directly, but I, I feel like just anecdotally over the years, I've heard that there are uh, a variety of studies that seem to indicate, and I'm going to qualify the heck out of this because I'm not 100 percent sure, that seem to indicate that even the. Um, Sort of the the lessening stigma around alcohol in parts of Europe has led to decreases in abuse by teens and other young adults because it's just a normal thing. Like getting drunk is not something that everyone does all the time, but it's just it's a normal part of your life. Therefore, abuse, therefore the inappropriate use of the substance uh, is is uh, less common. Now that being said, I don't know that anybody would suggest taking that approach to. Uh, perhaps more destructive. Well, and drugs. I think that I, I actually there is a little bit of research that actually contests that a little bit. That's a common myth that we look at alcohol use in Europe, and we're actually when you start looking at the statistics, more than forty five percent of of youth, especially, drink alcohol, right? Mm-hmm. And there's twenty percent alcoholism and intoxication versus ten percent in the U.S. because of the ways. That we approach it. So what's yeah. hard is that the we, we sure, tend to look at that and it tends to not be well. And once again, the, it's multifaceted because here's why. There's culture. I remember the it. first time, even though I don't I don't really drink wine, there was a time that I went through a season where I really wanted to learn about how you make wine, and and I went through this whole process of really being fascinated by it. And I remember that one of the one of the guys that was talking about the making of wine said the idea of getting intoxicated is repulsive. Because it ruins your ability to taste the wine. And it was this whole like backlash, like, how dare you? You know, and, and to the, like the wine connoisseur, right. it was like, no, 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 no. That's not what this is for. You don't. It's almost like a, a brilliant chef and you put ketchup all over their stuff or you like over salt <laughs> it. You They're like, stop touching my stuff. Yeah. And so I think that there's elements of European culture that are saying, listen, we have wine and cheese and grapes. It has nothing to do with alcoholism. And then you also have a party culture in every – then you also have a numbing out in every – you know what I mean? So there's all these layers that crisscross. Yeah. Well, and there's a good article I shared with Pastor Brian and Pastor Lance about – you know, it's in the Atlantic and it's on how Iceland approached – 
not having people have such a high addiction, high usage of alcohol, of marijuana, and of cigarettes. And it was an interesting thing. We don't have time to get into the whole thing, but there was a guy that did all his research during the drug era and then was trying to see how do you get into the issues of why people are taking, why they're numbing out, yep. and what alternatives do you create? And so they started approaching all this with going, hey, what if we more intentionally and more purposely created outlets for people, especially young people, to do things that give them that energy and give them that purpose, right? And give them training. And so they created all sorts of like, they just like, they surveyed students like crazy. But one of the things they created was they created more sports opportunities and more family opportunities. And that was the part that I actually thought was amazing is that uh, as they went into it, they they realized um, the, the, the factors that they said emerged that were protective and helped students and people not engage with these numbing out pieces were participation in organized activities, especially sports, um, total time spent with their families or their parents during the week was another factor that they cared, they felt cared about in their places of education and school and, and not being outdoors into the late evenings, which I was like, Hmm. A lot of those are scriptural principles, right? Yeah. right? Of yeah. community and of family and of um and of purpose. And I'm like, that's interesting. And and the impacts. Um, I think they showed that uh, the the amount of of teens that had been drunk decreased from 42 percent to five percent. Um, the ones who had used cannabis went from 17 percent to seven percent, and those smoking cigarettes went from 23 to three percent. And all of Europe like freaked out when they saw that and the rest of the article talks about all these people that wanted to see how they could integrate it. Now this is with teens who are more formable and there's a, you know, so, but it was interesting just the premise of the study. Tell me what you guys thought about that. And that premise is so important. And by the way, the the title of the article, if anybody wants to Google it, would highly recommend it. It's called how Iceland got teens to say no to drugs. And once again, it's in the Atlantic. Fascinating, fascinating stuff, but it speaks to what Lance, you were saying at the start of the show. So this is not Iceland coming in and saying, telling teens, all right, everybody don't do drugs. Don't do drugs. Don't do drugs. I mean, maybe that was a part of it. And there's certainly a place for that. But it was them showing them something better. Yeah. Get outside. You know, play a sport. Find a hobby. I mean, from a parental perspective, I mean, all three of us are parents. I love that it talked about that, that, they, that they encourage parents to don't just focus on quality time. Focus on the quantity of time as well. Invest in your kids. And I, I think the subtext of that is invest in your kids and be interesting and fun. <laughs> don't just, you know, yeah, all right, we're going to sit around and be boring, everybody. Like, I think that'll have we're gonna the opposite We're going to watch this effect. documentary. But – I just think that's so powerful, and I found that I find that profound both as a as a parent, as a pastor, and a leader to say that 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 even you look at the way that God built us, when we have something greater to devote our lives to, this need to numb out really goes away. And I think there's something to that when we're going to talk about healthy engagement with substances, and particularly how to avoid dependence on these substances. Uh, I think a theme that keeps popping back up in other conversations on this podcast or other things that we that we record is to be led by our loves. That once you know this idea yeah. that you don't lead by a vacuum, you fill it with something better, and it's just fill it, fill it, fill it. So I think that's what Iceland did, and I think that they were super successful. Those are not minor statistics; oh. those are radical. And significant statistics. Yeah, and that's why they stood out. I think that's why the Atlantic even got a hold of this and went, wait, what? Like, (laughs) those are high. And and I I think it all goes back to 
to Lance, you said it a, a while ago about the culture or the people not being mature enough. And that's the problem is that when people self-medicate, maturing stops. And so much self-medication has happened yeah. on so many avenues that maturity has been stifled. And part of what God calls us to do is to live into lives of maturity where we don't depend on these things and we don't numb out on these because yeah. then it just takes you into a cycle. And, a and what a profound question I think for all of us to ask is where am I self-medicating and, and asking it with the question of how is that stifling my maturity? Because again, like for those of like, I think all three of us, I don't know that any one of us, like the temptation to smoke weed is a live issue in any of our lives. I, just, I have no interest in it and I don't, I don't get the sense that either of you do either, but that's not to say, and I think that's probably true for most of our listeners, but I don't think that that doesn't mean we don't numb out in other ways. And, and we need to be careful to look into our own hearts and say, okay, where am I? Like, where am I self-medicating and preventing maturity? Uh, yeah. And, and I'll just say, uh, you know, as a senior pastor, I'll throw myself under the bus first which is, you guys, my personality is highly addictive. I'm yeah. always trying to numb out because I think hard, play hard. You know, I'm driving at a million miles an hour. And so a lot of what has made me very successful in ministry and has made me very charismatic as a leader has that dark side. Hmm. And the dark side is, man, it is very hard for me to rest. It is very hard for me to shut off. It's very hard for me to calm down. And so I immediately run to extreme things to knock me out. You know what I mean? So it, it's almost equivalent to in drug use back in the day. We're going to go back in the day, like in the 70s and stuff. Uh, 60s and 70s, you use phrase like uppers and downers, if, if anybody remembers that. And what it would happen is you would take downers to go to sleep and you take uppers to get back up in the morning. So there's stimulants and then there's obviously the ones that knock you out. I do that with things that are socially acceptable. I do that all the time. I'm in a constant pattern of a dopamine hit or calming down. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm just saying, I struggle with it a huge amount. Yeah. So, and I do not want to push it off and, oh, that's other people's problem. That is my problem. Yeah, no, and I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah, and I think, I, I mean, I know that there's the things, like even when I was joking around with my caffeine distribution and addiction, right? Like I was just telling a friend recently that one of the things I'm doing at the end, I, I want to do at the end of this year is I want to go back through and see financially how much I've spent on yeah. caffeine Yeah. Simply, simply for that guard of going, hey, Matt, nothing needs to be master over you, yeah. right? And so, yeah. so if you say you have to have this, you need to evaluate that. And so I want to go through, and that's to me my first step of going, hey, Matt, look how much money you're putting into this and look how much need you see in the world or around you. And is that justified, right? Yeah. And that becomes my, my first level. And then I, I want to be able to try to do more to not have to have that so much in order to function. How do I find right. those other things, both spiritually, emotionally, you know, physically? And then I think what Lance is also talking about is rhythms, right? Like there are rhythms where you're supposed to calm yourself down. That's why God built in a Sabbath mm -hmm. where we're supposed to do things. And for each person, those things can be different. Yeah. Now, what's hard is that argument can get used in so many good ways oh, yes. and so many negative. Oh, this is what has been good for me though. <laughs> right. And, uh, and that's what, that's, what's hard, but we're not trying to negate at all that reality that there has to be rhythms and there are things that do need to sometimes take us out of the pace on purpose, right. especially within our personalities. And so, I'm, I mean, that's why I love that we share those type of things transparently. 
um, because we have to talk, we have to process those yeah. process those out loud with community. Especially if you're not talking about it, everyone's yeah. doing it in secret yep. and in hiding. Yep. Yeah, which yeah. is bad. And it's and it's not you know of course the solution is not well we all just need to work all the time and stay completely mentally sharp 100% of the time. No, we just need to learn healthy rhythms of work and rest and, and resting well. Now, we are about 50 minutes or so into the podcast, and we have not actually answered the question that is the title of the episode. Then we are successful, so, I think. <laughs> we, we're basically like one of those like hour-long TV shows that like leaves the Dateline good stuff NBC? until the very end. To be end. continued. Yes, exactly. So I want to address, and, and we could talk for a long time about both of these, so, so we'll have to kind of try to be brief if possible. <laughs> I want to talk about marijuana and I want to talk about alcohol. Here are my questions uh, as it pertains to marijuana. Is it permissible for Christians to engage in the recreational use of marijuana? Why or why not? Okay, I'll, I'll take the first shot. Um, honestly, I know there are so many differences between marijuana and alcohol, and I do not want to oversimplify. Um, uh, but for me... They, they fall into a similar genre for me, and I don't believe in drunkenness, and so I'm not a big fan of the use of marijuana. Um, now, once again, God's not anti-alcohol. I'm not anti-alcohol. I have no problem in moderation, those types of things. But let me give you some quick stats. This is in one of the articles that we were reading. It said, for, uh, for men and women, uh, intoxication is for ladies— Four drinks. For men, it's five drinks. You say, what do you mean a drink? 12-ounce beer, five ounce of wine, one and a half ounce of spirit, so a shot of whatever that is. But intoxication is four puffs of weed. Now, the thing is, it's one thing for someone to take three drinks. That may be normal at a party. Four puffs of weed is never normal. <laughs> like what you, you would never just go and we're and done. That's it. Thank you. Yeah. No, and so, and so, the point of smoking weed is inhalation. <laughs> the point of inhalation is intoxication. It's it's kind of the idea. Now, intoxication towards what end? I think that is the more important reason, right? Or more important discussion. Um, so, do I think that it is a good idea? I do not. I am not against it in a ferocious way where, oh, I'm all mad about it. You know what? Honestly, uh, I have a very low fear of the impacts of, you know, first of all, I have, I have no concerns about medicinal pot use. I have no concerns about uh, things like that. But even moderation pot use, I am not concerned whatsoever about it. Uh, Sorry, you said you're not concerned whatsoever about it. Is that what you meant to say? Yes. About recreational use? About about recreational use in moderation of, uh, meaning if, let's say it's legalized and you have somebody out in the world that is going to say, listen, I did that in moderation like I did drinking. Mm -hmm. And there was no intoxication effects. Oh, I see. Okay. And I was like, okay, I, whatever. I'm not going to lose my cool over that. What yeah. do you think, Pastor Matt? Oh, you said to keep it short. Um, I'm glad that Lance brought up that that first piece, though, because it addresses the issue of what is intoxication, which Scripture makes very clear that intoxication is something that is not permissible. Like that it has this word methuska in the Greek that um, that talks about, um, you know, 
talks about the effect that it has and why God says that's not healthy for us, right? It's Ephesians and, you know, the Old Testament raises this issue. Um, I think the other piece, Romans 14, has always become such a big piece for me because that's the one that talks about how there's nothing that's unclean in itself, but it is unclean for someone that thinks that it's unclean, Mm -hmm. right? And then it takes it from there and it goes to the issue of, but how does it affect others? Mm-hmm. How does it affect your brother or sister that does think about it? So like the two things I like about that passage, Romans 14, 14 to 23, is first, Paul does bring up this issue that that like everything that's been created is morally neutral. Like God did not create things to be inherently evil. So, mm-hmm. so it's not a woman for a guy that is sinful. It's when a guy is lusting and they're engaging in sexual acts that it becomes sin. Alcohol in itself is not inherently sinful. Marijuana in itself is not inherently sinful. These are all things that as we approach them because sin is with in us, right? Because we are the problem, right? It's distorted everything, and so that messes things up. Um, but then in verse fifteen, he comes to the: if your brother or sister is grieved or offended by what you're doing, now you're no longer walking in love. And so, to me, as Christians, one of the main reasons we don't do it is because there are still so many people in our nation and our state. But as Christians, that if they see you doing that. It, it messes with them. And so I have to make the choice not for my selfish sake, but for the sake of others, right? And again, we're talking specifically first about recreational, but this is another story. And that's why it might even be another podcast. I don't know. And then, uh, and then you know, like uh, there, there's so much more we can talk about within that. But, um, but we, we just have to be careful that we're thinking about what are the real effects and how is it perceived, Right. You know, but but looking at it from the spiritual side, like Romans talks about, or as First Corinthians eight and First Corinthians ten talk about about the permissibility, mm-hmm. right? They kind of keep saying things are permissible, but that doesn't mean they're beneficial, and that's what yeah. all these things we've been talking about, and they can't master us, right? Yeah. Like those, that's exactly what we keep coming back to. Yeah, if we're here to love God and love people, at what point where does pot fit into the recreational pot use fit into that? Yeah, mm-hmm. and you what raised you that in the very beginning. That was good. Yeah, no, and I think that that's. Um, to me, it's hard to answer that question in a way that justifies recreational marijuana use, in, in my opinion. So, uh, so similar to you, Lance, I think that if, if there is not an intoxicating effect, I'm less concerned by it. But, and I'm by no means an expert, but it does seem to me that a very small amount of, of usage leads to intoxication, and that ultimately is the problem. So uh, do I think... Um, you know, should I, do I think Christians should use marijuana? No, I, I don't. I think we need to be careful in not elevating marijuana use as some sort of like special class of sin, because uh, which is what we all tend to do with sins we don't struggle with or sins that we're not that are not appealing to us. But uh, but no, if someone is a, if it's in a pastoral counseling situation, someone's asking my opinion, I'd say no, I, I don't think this is wise. Because of of what you said earlier, Lance, that intoxication is such a uh, such kind of an inherent part of the activity. Whereas, as you said, and as in my experience in, in in drinking alcohol, if I'm enjoying a nice craft beer or a glass of wine, intoxication is the last thing on my mind. And I would I would say the exact same thing to somebody who is going to drink heavily to the point of intoxication as I would to somebody who's going to smoke to the point of intoxication. And I would say uh, that is, you know, to some of your, you know, versus Matt, I would, I would appeal to those. And then that, that's to say that is a level of disengagement and self-medication that, that I do not believe is honoring to the Lord. And certainly the scriptures speak directly to drunkenness. And I think we can infer 
some some understanding about uh, about being high on marijuana from that. We didn't we didn't really talk about the issue again. Maybe another conversation for people to discuss of why because why smoke it too? Because there's other forms that, especially within medicinal use, that they're realizing is actually better for the people when you do it in this form or this form. And so that's always something that when it goes to the four puffs, right? Then the TCH is starting to. TCH, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It starts um, starts really affecting people, you know, like like why? And again, that's that cultural how it has been used, the stigma, you know. Are there are there better things? That's something that I often write down though, and uh, and try to try to figure out. Um, I think it's uh, is it THC. THC. Yes. I think you said What did I say? That's all right. Uh, anyway. I was thinking um, of the band TLC. Let me, <laughs> and, uh, let me just say one other thing. Uh, talking about the medicinal, I love the idea that um, a cancer patient can use something that is healthier on their system yeah. to be able to settle their stomach so that they can eat through chemo. Mm-hmm. To me, I think that is the most beautiful use ever of something that God created. Um, and so I am not against medicinal marijuana. I think it's just because something is medicinal just doesn't make it healthy. So, for example, the opioid crisis, a lot of these things that we're dealing with in our nation, oxycodone is actually supposed to be used for something healthy, yeah. not bad. Um, when you have all these different – it's usually a distortion, right? So – Please don't just bash the thing. As you said, it's a neutral, and it can be used for great things. Please don't bash the thing. Have issue with people's hearts that we have now taken something. You can take, like, for example, uh, I have a prescription for Ativan. Ativan is a short-acting, in case there's an emergency and my medication can't control my panic disorder. I can take that, and it's relatively short-acting. That is also used consistently by people for bad purposes. Mm-hmm. Ativan is something that is, you know, one of those that people try to steal and, and all these different things. It is a bad drug used wrongly. I've never used it wrongly. And so, once again, I think just because it's medicinal doesn't make it right. Yeah. Right. There's there's one bit of research I remember looking at that as they were looking at people that were taking it medicinally, all the people that are realizing how they receive it is that one of the pieces that ends up happening is that so far medicinally, it's not being given a lot of guidance or oversight. So people nope. write a prescription, yeah. they go, yes, this can help you within your stuff. And then nobody tells you how much for how long. And and then what happens is that's the fear. I think that's why there's still even a fear with medicinal use is that yes. people are going, well, then what if somebody becomes addicted because nobody's telling them, hey, it should only be this many times a day for this long yeah. in order to actually help you. And it's because there's not been enough study because actually there's four different government agencies that people have to go through to do a medical study yeah. on its use. It, it's that, so convoluted, everybody. But that's the case even with how many uh, drug addicts have started with an injury. Yeah. They blew out their knee and then they were mm-hmm. using it and the doctor said, okay, enough of that. Yeah. Cut it off and boom, they were, they're stuck. Their whole body was in a completely different place and now they crave something else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that's an important point though, that, that medicinal use, and, and I'm with you, Lance, in terms of it, uh, I think it, the, the appropriate medicinal use of marijuana is, is indeed, I think the words you use were fantastic, a, a beautiful use of, of something God has created. But we need to be careful, just like we would never say, uh, hey, oxycodon is, uh, hey, that'll, it's a painkiller, so go ahead. You know, have even, at it. even with guidance, that's created all sorts of problems. So, uh, so we need to be so we need to be careful about about all of that. 
as well. Um, as we begin to uh, begin to land the plane here, what other? I mean, any other principles? When we focused on marijuana, we talked a little bit about alcohol. Uh, I think we're all in agreement that that recreational use for Christians is is problematic. Whether it's alcohol, whether it's caffeine, whether it's any other substance uh, of that nature, any other principles that you guys can share as we close that that maybe Christ followers can use to guide our interaction with these substances so that we're engaging with them in a way or disengaging in, with them in a way that's that's honoring to God. Do you want me to go first yeah, and then go you, ahead. you finish off? So um. I, I think there's a couple things that I, I just want to say. One is, um, and every time I talk about this stuff with youth or adults now, um, it has to be clear that the way we approach life and these things as those who follow Jesus as those who follow Jesus is different. We we cannot be just going along in the same way the culture does. It, it, we can't we can't fall into the easy pick and choose your own opinion. Because although there's space and there's freedom along that spectrum, I think people don't realize it's not as wide as we think it is, right? There's there's more guardrails and parameters that God has directed us on. Um, I like what John Piper says. He says, is any of this making Jesus look like the treasure he is? Any of these addictions, any of these things that end up becoming masters in our life? And, uh, and uh, you know, like like what what is the impact that this is having on our families? Um, mm-hmm. There's another guy that says, I don't see any of this as becoming empowering that makes you a more competent dad or mom, a more competent mother or father, a more competent employee, or a more competent c- citizen. It, it truly is at its base level an escape unless it's medicinal, right? And so uh, those are points against, not against, but to think about, principles to think about with recreational use that I, I think we do have to weigh. Um, the, the only last two pieces I would have is that I think that life is already difficult keeping and maintaining motivation and purpose. And I think anything that puts a pause on that, um, on development is making our life harder. And so I don't think it's making us better. And so that's a challenge. So I, I think I, I try to put everything through the wisdom filter. Mm-hmm. It's it, to me, it's not a matter of can we, it's a matter of should we. Right. Um, and then the other piece is, you know, there's a stat. I think I got it, uh, Pastor Matt, from your info that 90 percent of smokers today all started under 21, 90 mm-hmm. percent yeah. under started under 21. So a lot of this has to be directed towards the kids and the way they learn is by role modeling by adults. Yeah. So it's really yeah. got to start with us. Yeah. Amen. Absolutely. And to, to piggyback on kind of both of your your points is uh, I just think the question of how is this affecting your life is is critical, whether it's I mean, uh, you can consume alcohol in a way that does not, in my opinion, negatively affect your life. You can be a competent uh, parent. You can be a competent spouse. You, it cannot affect your work. It can uh, be a minimal drain financially or you can engage with it in a way that it blitzes all of those areas. Mm -hmm. And that is highly problematic. In the same way, if we're going to talk about caffeine, and I feel like with caffeine, I'm sort of teetering on the edge of this sometimes. Stop judging me. Of just the sense of, of, okay, am I, so for example, am I overindulging in caffeine because I don't have the discipline to create good nighttime routines so that I go to bed on time and can fall asleep when I go to bed. Am guilty. I using Yeah, guilty, guilty right here. You know what I'm saying? So so I think with uh, with caffeine, there is a sense of, okay, it helps clear the fog, it helps make me more alert, it gets me going. And again, you know, I have a cup of coffee every day. So I'm not I'm not hating hating on it by any means. But I think it is still that question of 
what is the net effect on my life? I think, Matt, what you were saying about the financial component is is huge. So I, I think, um, to, to flip it back to alcohol, just as, as my last point, I think with that one especially, um, those who choose to abstain completely 100% respect that choice. And, and I think that's a perfectly fine choice to make. Those that are more in my camp of you, you use it, you enjoy it, but you use it responsibly as an adult in a place where it's not going to create problems and, and that you're very careful about moderation. I think it is in, it is incumbent upon us that shoot to those of us who choose that path to just be hyper vigilant about that. Is this creating an undue financial problem? Is this in any way at all negatively affecting my marriage, my parenting? Is it in any way at all affecting my work? Is it in any way promoting disengagement from what God has called me to do in my life? If that's the case, it's got to go. And my wife and I have had numerous conversations about that just as, you know, as just we t- talk about the role of alcohol in our family of saying this is at, we have to be hyper vigilant because it is dangerous. Mm-hmm. We have to be vigilant about making sure we're taking the proper precautions and that either one of us at any time has the has the kind of the trump card, so to speak, to say, no, this is I'm seeing a problem and it needs to stop. Now, it's never gotten anywhere close to that. But. I think just having that conversation and having that perspective is important because, as we know, I mean, alcohol has taken out more than a few people in terms of their effectiveness for the kingdom. And, you know, it just it devastates families and all of that. So it is it is not in any sense to be trifled with or taken lightly. Yeah, beautifully said. Uh, so, Matt, give us the final word. What do you what do you got for us? Um, drugs are bad, McKay. Drugs are bad. Uh I don't, I mean, I think we've talked through it very thoroughly, which is good. I mean, everyone knows that there's a lot more material out there. And so the thing that I I would just counsel as you're ever looking up stuff is know that like the research is, and I'm going to use the word convoluted to not say that it's all bad, but there's so little clear research and there's so, there's so many simplifications. And that was one of the things that Lance said in the beginning that I think we all need to hear very clearly is simplifications will distort the truth if you try to just make it as simple as this and that. There's layers, and you have to try to look at the big picture and all the layers because there's a lot more components than it than we tend to treat it as. And so, so we have to approach those things when we're looking at the research, when we're looking at everything else. Yep. Absolutely. Well said. All right. Thanks, guys, for the time. Thanks to all of you for listening. The point of this podcast is to engage with cultural issues, to create conversation. So hopefully that spurred something in you. Would encourage you to talk about the content of the episode with others. Thank you once again for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode of Engaging Culture. Thank you for listening to Engaging Culture, a podcast by Bridgeway Christian Church. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening. Music is used under the Creative Commons license and is provided by Dexter Britton.